Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Faith, Tech, and Space podcast. I'm your host, Rich Hay from WindowsObserver.com. It is good to be back with you. As of yesterday, it has been six months since I posted my last episode of this podcast. Now, over the last couple of years, if you've been a listener, you know that I had to step away from regular commitments to the podcast because of my formation for the permanent diaconate in the Catholic Church. Uh, because of classes and schedules and all of those kind of things, I just could not commit to, to steadily being able to get behind the microphone. Uh, and, and I'm still not quite there yet to be fully able to commit to, to regularly creating an episode of the show. However, uh, th- there's just been a kind of conglomeration of things, um, everything coming to a point this past week, where the thought entered my mind to say, you know what? Let's do an episode. Why not do an episode? There's been a big week in in news, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you know, it, it's just it it really came to me, and it was like, you know what? Let's do this. And and I was in the process of updating my operating system, and I was fixing everything and getting everything back online and getting things reconnected. And I was reconnecting OneNote for Windows 10, and I came across the last show notes for the last episode that I recorded back in January. That was episode 19. And so as I cleaned everything up in Windows 10 in OneNote for Windows 10, I was like, you know what? There's been plenty of big news this week. Let's do a show. So here I am. I'm actually in a pretty good spot homework-wise right now, too. Uh, I have a li- few little tweaks uh, to do on a reflection paper that I have due for class this week that's due actually later tonight. So I've got, I've got most of it written. I just need to go in and kind of reread it and review it and make sure I've got the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed. So I'm actually in a really good spot to be able to sit down here behind the microphone and record this episode. And, and, and i got to tell you, it feels good to be behind the microphone. And, and when I get post-formation, God willing, um, and I'm ordained, I'll have more time because I'll, uh, my schedule will be more mine. I won't be tied up around classes and things of that nature. So we'll see where that goes. But So let's catch up a little bit, right? Where have I been since January 3rd, the last time I did an episode, episode 19? Well, actually, I haven't left and been anywhere except right here. And in fact, the desk I'm sitting at is the desk I sit at each day uh, in some shape or form, Monday through Friday, doing work. Saturday and Sundays, weeknights, doing homework, studies, and things of that nature. So I haven't gone anywhere, per se. I mean, we, we've really just come in here, in our area at least, coming out of the, of the uh, pandemic lockdowns and things like that. I live in Florida, so they've been a little bit ahead of the time. Whether they're prudent or not, they've been ahead of the, the cycle. Um, I am now fully vaccinated. I've shared this on social media, so if you follow me on Twitter, you've kind of kept up with me over these last six months. But fully vaccinated, my wife is fully vaccinated, so we're feeling very comfortable about our protection when it comes to the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, but that doesn't change for everybody. I get that. So you know that is what it is. Um, in April and May, again, those of you that follow me on social media at WinOBS on Twitter know that I took a two month sabbatical from work. Um, took the opportunity to kind of um, work on a few projects that I wanted to work on. Didn't get everything done that I wanted to do, but did quite a bit during that April-May sabbatical. So I've now been back from that sabbatical for five weeks, just over a month. And um, getting back, you know, the last month was a good month. I was really in my stride. The, the break from the daily writing routine really helped a lot. 
And so I was able to kind of jump into July or in June and hit a lot of marks very quickly on my content work for itprototoday.com, my day job, Monday through Friday. Um, so it was a good break. It was a really, really good break and allowed me to do a few different things and just take an easier pace in things. And after the last year and a half, you know, I, when you get the opportunity, I highly recommend that you take a break and you just change your routine up and do something different. Get a break from the, those normal things so that you can kind of recharge your batteries. So that's where I've been. Uh, I continue to be here. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. There's no plans to do so. Um, we have, um, in our faith formation, in my formation for the permanent diaconate, we are now inside of our third year of formation. Well, let me put it this way, our sixth year of formation, because here in our Diocese of St. Augustine, you do three years in a program called Ministry Formation Program, and that's three years of kind of the ba- of really core knowledge and awareness about the Catholic faith and you, uh, the New Testament, the Old Testament, all kinds of different subjects, liturgy, um, and ethics and things of that nature, and then a practical project your third year. Um, so I've done that already. I actually graduated from those three years back in 2014. So two years ago when I started formation for the permanent diaconate, I was that would have been my fourth year and my fifth year, and now I'm inside my sixth year with my six other fellow members of my cohort, my brother diaconate candidates. And uh, we continue to, to do classes, so online classes. Since I last talked to you in January, we were just about to start a class on the Old Testament called the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, so the Jewish Bible, the Jewish Old Testament. I don't think they call it the Old Testament. It's the Jewish Bible. And then this summer, now we're eight weeks into our summer semester of 12 weeks long, uh, we've been studying Acts of the Apostles and Paul's epistles or Paul's letters that he wrote to the various um, churches in the early days of the church. And then we're also doing a, an Old Testament course about the prophets. So that's what we're doing online right now. We're doubled up with those classes, and that has also presented a challenge. So when I got to this Sunday and I had the opening and the availability, it was really nice because with two classes going on, you can imagine the homework and the tasks that are related to that, including lots of reading every week, uh, can be challenging. So uh, we've been studying that. We've been studying the prophets and Paul this summer. Uh, when we finish up these classes in about a month, we have our finals the first week of August. One of the courses has a 10-page uh, paper that's due on it, and we'll have a paper, another paper, a shorter paper that's due for the other course. Uh, but then after that, we're just three classes online short of being done with all our online study requirements. So in the fall of this year, we'll study Christology, and then in January, we'll double up again ecclesiology and pastoral counseling. But ecclesiology and pastoral counseling are, are not uh, heavy-duty courses like, for instance, the Paul class and the Prophets classes this summer. So that will be a, uh, our final two classes, and then come when we finish that in May of next year, we will be done with all our online educational requirements. Locally, since I last talked to you, we finished up our first homiletics class. We started our second homiletics class. The homiletics is preaching, I guess it would be the best a word to use to to uh, describe it. It's where you you you. It's, we don't call it preaching in the Catholic Church. We call them homilies, and it's kind of a reflection and discussion around the readings of the day of the Mass. So we've done homiletics one and homiletics two. We actually have one more class pending for our homiletics, homiletics two class. We'll actually have two hom- homilies due that day. Um, because the, our instructor for that, the, the priest who's our instructor, just got a new assignment to the cathedral, which he took up on 1 July. And so uh, he's, got, he's kind of busy getting sorted out into his new job. So we'll f- 
in mid-August, we will do our final Homiletics 2 class. We also did Liturgy 1. We did all the rites. So we studied baptism rites, marriage, funerals, um, rites of Christian initiation, and all of those things that deacons are involved in or can do as a member of the clergy in the Catholic Church. And then uh, we just a few weeks ago did a bioethics class, a one-day local bioethics class. Next year, we'll have a local class on ecumenism. We'll have our Liturgy 2 class and a Homiletics 3 class. And then there'll be some other classes sprinkled and spread out throughout the year, our third year. Um, so, so we do have, but we are definitely in that, we're inside a year actually of our um, ordination scheduled date. 25 June is that scheduled date. And of course, we've still got to get through our academics. We still got to get through our spiritual formation. We have one more year of pastoral experience that we have to do, which because of the lifting of the issues around the, the uh, pandemic, looks like we'll be able to do that, that uh, pastoral experience in person instead of the, my last one was calling uh, parishioners and checking in on them. Uh, so we have that all coming, plus whatever other classes are sprinkled throughout the local stuff. We were able to do our annual retreat this past May. Last year, we had to skip the retreat. We had a one-day day of reflection. Um, but this year, we were able to do a, a three-and-a-half-day retreat out of a beautiful place called Marywood, uh, which is a retreat center that belongs to the diocese. Absolutely beautiful location. All seven of us were able to be there with our wives. We had our, our formation leaders there. We had a deacon from the Archdiocese of Atlanta who came down to do our retreat with us. And it was an absolutely wonderful time. It was the first really uh, significant amount of time that we as candidates, the seven of us, got to kind of connect on a social level and sharing that time together same thing for our wives they had a chance to they had one one of this we were all in the sessions together shared meals together but our wives were able to have a, a separate session with a couple of deacon wives to kind of hear about what it's like to be a deacon's wife and they got some great uh, cheat sheets of notes and tips and and little tricks and uh, understanding for things as we move through this third year and move towards ordination um, so it was a really really beautiful retreat, very beneficial retreat, and it was great to get to know my brother candidates a little bit better. So God willing, in less than a year from now, June 25th, 2022, uh, we will be ordained. Uh, the final kind of step, uh, we took one of those steps this year in May when we were at our uh, annual retreat. We, of course, had our annual vocations board interview. That's a requirement. Every year we have to have a board interview. And then at the final Mass, when we celebrated Mass at the end of that weekend with our wives and, and all of us candidates, the bishop celebrated the Mass, and we were instituted into the ministry of acolyte. Now, for, for many people, even within the Catholic Church, you see people, and if you've ever seen a Catholic Mass or been at a Catholic Mass, you've seen people, you see the priests, they're in vestments, right? They're usually in the colorful vestments. Uh, but there are usually what are called altar servers, uh, usually in a white awb, a white robe, with a cincture, right, based on the, the time of year, white, purple, green, red. And um, they serve the altar. They help out at the altar. They, they help get things uh, sorted out and help the priests and do all that kind of stuff. Well, those are altar servers. An acolyte performs many of the same actions on the altar, but has has other things that they're responsible for as well. And so we were instituted into the ministry of acolyte. That's the last of, of three significant steps along our path of formation and discernment towards the permanent diaconate. Last September, we had our candidacy mass with the bishop where we were accepted as candidates after our year of aspirancy. 
uh, in our first year, we started our second year as candidates for the permanent de- for the holy orders for permanent deacon, and then. Um, in December, we were instituted as lectors. Those are the folks that read the don't read the Gospels, but read the first reading and the second reading at the Mass. And then in May, we were instituted as acolytes. So that's kind of the three key steps this year that we had in and amongst all our education and spiritual direction and, and mentoring and things of that nature. And then... Um, the last thing we will have, we'll have one more vocations board interview next year sometime when all our educational stuff, most likely it will be just before or just after our um, our retreat next year. And our retreat next year, actually, I think it'll probably be before because our retreat next year is a can- canonical retreat. It's required by canon law. It's a five-day retreat, pre-ordination retreat. So it's required. So prior to that, we should, after all our requirements are done and we've done our vocations board interview and the leadership of the formation team makes their recommendations to the bishop, we should receive a letter from the bishop that indicates that he is calling us to holy orders, calling us to ordination. That will be a few weeks before um, our actual day scheduled ordination date. So that is the last kind of check mark in the box to, after we finish all our educational requirements over this six-year total six-year period, but the three years of diaconate formation. And we do all of that, recommendations are made, and then Bishop will send us a letter saying he is calling us to holy orders. And that then gives us this, you know, that kind of puts us at the point where we're, we're moving forward towards ordination. So it's going to be a busy year. Um, like I said, I, without being doubled up in classes, we might have more opportunity to record. I'm not going to, as I did two years ago, I'm not going to make any promises that I will or will not be able to record things. I mean, it's just the nature of things right now that I have to take them as they come. This week presented itself in a way that it, it fit, it worked, and I'm glad to be behind the microphone and helping you out, or and not helping you out, but talking to you and just updating you on where I stand. So without any further ado, let's jump in and talk a little bit about what's going on. First off, I, I'm not going to try to recap the last six months worth of Windows Insider stuff, but I did start something last fall where I write a monthly blog post that kind of summarizes everything that happened in the Windows Insider development channel. So that's the developer channel, the beta channel, the release preview channel. Okay, so I've, I've posted a link here that will be in the show notes to the most recent one. That was the June one. Uh, it's actually a very quiet month until the end, and we'll talk about why here in a minute. Uh, Edge Insiders, I've got all the, you know, I'm, Edge Canary is in version 93 these days. Edge Developer uh, Channel is in version 93 as well. And then you have the Beta Channel in Edge 90, in version 92. And Edge Stable is in version 91. And those guys, I, I got to tell you, over the last six months, they have been iterating upon iteration upon iteration and really continuing to improve edge usability and and the feature set around it and it still continues to be my primary i don't have any other browser installed on my system it is it is a very good browser lots of opportunities in there for the chrome store for edge for extensions edges store for extensions Uh, they just recently shared that they're working on a new quick share links uh, that will work in Edge. It's currently in uh, Canary and Dev. I've got the link there from that on the blog post from William Devereaux on Microsoft Tech Community. So that's the latest little thing they've added. But you'd have to go back and look at the last six months worth of stuff. They have just continually made that uh, browser better and better. So that's what's going on there. The other thing that happened in the last six months that really kind of sparked a lot of uh, confusion, a lot of uh, um, angst was the addition of the news and interest feature on the Windows 10 taskbar that went uh, that was being tested in the insider channels 
and with the release of 21H1, which was the first feature update of this year that happened back in the May timeframe, um, they've added it. It is now part of general availability. So if you're running 21H1, you've now got this news and interest feature on the taskbar. I wrote a blog. There's, every time I go into Reddit around this, there was always a how do I turn it off? How do I turn it off? How do I turn it off? Or how do I tweak it? So I did write a blog post back in May uh, to kind of share how to do that. So that's there. But the big news, the big, big news is Windows 11. So officially on June 24th, we had the event, Microsoft had a live event where they showed off Windows 11 for the first time. Now, those of you that pay attention, you know that a couple weeks prior to this, there was a leaked build. Uh, what was interesting about that leaked build was, is that for the first time ever that I can remember, Microsoft's Windows uh, Twitter account acknowledged that leaked build with a comment along the lines of, that's just the start. Okay, and that's what we saw a lot of is this build didn't have, didn't have everything that was kind of coming which we now know, but um, it certainly had a remake of the UI and start and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so they had the live stream event. They did the, uh, the event. They started publishing all their data, all their information about Windows 11. And so this first build, um, they showed off quite a bit. I would have to say, in my opinion, because we've been hearing bits and pieces about Windows 11 for a while. We heard that Windows 10X was going away and some of that work was coming into an, an update to Windows 10 at some point down the road. We now know that update is Windows 11. Um, but they've really, it, it, my sense is that they've really, um, looks like they're paying attention to experience on this. And and I'm not, I won't sit here and go through everything that they talked about, um, but, but they're focused on pre productivity, creativity, ease of use. Uh, they're doing things in there. Let me pull up the uh, the Windows uh, the the Insider build because they talked a little bit more subject wise. So obviously visuals and sounds are updated. New wallpapers, new the whole new user interface, centered start menu, centered icons on the taskbar. So start has been updated. Taskbar has been updated. Notification center and quick settings have all been updated. File Explorer has been updated. There's new themes, beautiful themes, beautiful wallpaper, very Apple-ish wallpapers, in fact. Uh, and sounds, there's a beautiful sound scheme that goes with um, this update. It's just, it, it just is really unique. You have to hear it to understand it. Uh, widgets, so the news and interest that I just mentioned on the taskbar, in Windows 11, that's got its own space. It's called widgets. It will have news feed there, and it, will, it is customizable. So you can stick your own widgets there, and it's going to be open so that third parties can develop widgets to go in this little overlay uh, that can be used either as kind of a sidebar that pops over top of the desktop, got a translucent back, uh, behind, you know, um, uh, it's translucent, but the widgets are in, on that, so you can see a hint of the wallpaper or whatever behind you. But it can go full screen in tablets in touch mode, and uh, third parties are going to be able to build their own widgets to go in here. So kind of, if I had an equivalency to say, it would run along the lines of Windows 7, uh, widgets that they had on the desktop that you could put on the desktop. Granted, these don't stay on the desktop, but they can be brought onto the desktop very easily. And you scroll through them. And what's really cool about this in a session is as you scroll and you go back to your desktop for whatever reason, or you click on a story to go read that story or a link, when you go back to widgets, guess what? It's in the same place where it was. It has not changed. So it really is very slickly um it, it is really very nicely institu uh, in what's um, 
oh my goodness, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, it is quite nicely um, integrated and quite implemented. There's the word, oh my goodness, implement. It's very nicely implemented, so you have to check that out as well. So we have widgets that are coming. Uh, what else did they talk about? Multitasking. So there's three new features here. Snap layouts, which is where if you have a set of images, you go up to the uh, maximize, minimize, uh, or the maximize button on any window on Windows 11, you get this little drop down kind of menu that shows you where you can snap windows to in different apps to windowed apps in different positions on the desktop. So really cool. And as you build together something, that all appears under one of those apps icons on the taskbar so you can quickly get back to those things as well. That's called snap groups. And then desktops, what we used to know as virtual desktops in Windows 10, which had gained through the developer channel the ability to name them and to set their own wallpaper, and that retains, that persists between reboots. Well, that is now called desktops, and you get to it through Win Windows Key and Tab, and um, you can have your own apps open on each desktop, and I have one, for instance, for personal, for work, and for virtual machines. It just helps me keep things separated from each other as I'm working. Um, the one thing it lacks right now, and I wrote about this a few months ago, is that it lacks the ability to save configurations. I would love to be able to say, save this work desktop, and when I open it, open this app, this app, and this app. Or when I open a virtual desktop, if I open my virtual desktop or virtual machine desktop, open this app, this app, and this app. Or if I open my personal desktop, open this set of apps. It would really be nice to have that type of capability to configure that and have that persist either through reboots or through some kind of trigger where I would trigger them to turn on. So that would be nice. We'll see where that goes. Again, we're early stages here. This is the first preview build. It's build 22,000.51. Um, so we're very early stages, but a lot of work has been done since they started working on this, uh, what we think is last year. Uh, then Microsoft Store is getting a complete remake and do-over. And this was the probably the biggest piece of surprise news for everybody. And that was Android apps are coming to the win the Microsoft Store on Windows 11. And my I don't know if it's going to make it to Windows 10, but it's definitely going to be in Windows 11. And those Android apps are being served up through Amazon's App Store, their Android App Store that they use with their Android-based tablets. So we don't have this yet. This is one of the features that did not make it into the first preview release. So we're still waiting to kind of see how that gets implemented and how it's used. Docking. So if you've ever used an external monitor, with uh, your laptop on Windows, you know that it never remembers where stuff was when you docked and undocked. Well, there's now a new feature under multiple displays about docking that that takes care of that. All those kind of headaches are gone. Remember, Windows remember where they were on those external monitors and they go back there when you take your laptop and plug it back in. Uh, updates to input uh, modes, touch, inking, and voice. So there's new keyboard personalization for the touch keyboard. You can do themes on that. There's voice typing. There's improved touch gestures, including three-finger and four-finger gestures. There's a new pin menu. There's a new language and input switcher. Um, on the display, we're getting improvements if the hardware supports it, something called a dynamic refresh rate, where the PC will automatically boost the refresh rate, whether you're inking or scrolling, so you get a smoother experience, and it will lower it when you don't need it so that you can save power on your laptop. So dynamic refresh rate is available if your display supports it. Um, other things that are coming, and these are gaming type improvements, some of these auto HDR, uh, content adaptive brightness control, where that is a, a new feature. And let me just, my phone is making um, 
noises because somebody's trying to talk to me. Um, and so you're getting a few other uh, display improvements that will come as part of Windows 11. However, we're not there with everything yet. Plus, you got to have compatible hardware for this. The settings app. The settings app has had a beautiful makeover. Uh, it's all laid out a little bit different. They've, they've made some decisions about where to put things in there. So you really have to pull open the settings app and go through module by module so you kind of see where everything is at. Plus, it's got search, so you can search in there and look and find your thing as well. The other thing Windows 11 got is a new that Windows 11 has in this first preview build is a new out-of-box experience. So it's basically the same information you would see if you were setting up Windows 10, right? It goes through all when you're doing a fresh clean install or a total reset. It asks you all these questions about your country of origin, your keyboard layout, and connectivity, and did you want to use this, do you want to do that, and all the privacy settings as well. Well, that's all the same information. It just It just matches the kind of vibe and feel of the UI of Windows 11 as opposed to the old look that it had before. So we've got that update. Um, Windows 11 and Office, they are releasing. We haven't gotten it yet. They did release the build, but there's been a visual refresh of the Office apps in the beta channel. So you gotta be an Office Insider. You gotta be running Windows 11 Insider Preview, and you will get a new visual update to the Office apps. I'm still waiting to see it. We've got the, we got the build late Friday, but we don't have the visual update. So we're still waiting to see that. And then there's a brand new Windows 11 Insider website that goes with this. They're talking to creators behind the scenes as they built Windows 11. So you can kind of start to see how they made decisions and how they made kind of looked at things to kind of move things forward. Uh, there's a long list of changes and improvements. There's a list of known issues in this build. But the reality is it's here. The testing phase has begun for Windows 11. The word is that this is going to be released, quote unquote, this holiday season. That basically means anywhere in the October to December timeframe, but probably earlier in that uh, that window because you got to have time for OEMs to get that new stuff on the market. So I think RTM, which we don't use this term, I, I don't like this term anymore, but I think manufacturers will get a hold of the gold code, the fi near final code, sometime in the September-ish time frame, so they have time to get this onto devices that are then going to ship for the holidays to be sold and bought for both school and for uh, other stuff. So if you're, if you're going to go try this out, it's in the Windows Insider program. Um, and you can do that. But a couple of, uh, I've got a ton of links here in the show notes, and I'm not going to go through each one, but I've got a link to the live stream event, so you can rewatch that if you'd like to see kind of the whole um, kit and caboodle of the uh, the event as it was displayed and presented by Panos Pane. You will hear from Satya Nadella and several other members of the Windows team. Um, I've got the links to the Insider Preview Build blog where you'll learn all this known issue stuff and all the stuff I kind of just ran through. Um, I got an, a note here from the Insider program about how to prepare for Windows 11 because there are... I think they've kind of relaxed the specifications for Windows 11. There are some changes and I think they've relaxed them for the testing period because they're trying to evaluate what specs really work well. Um, that's been kind of the big hoo-ha about Windows 11 is this whole spec update. And I'll, I have a link to a story written by Rich Woods, who is now at XDA Developer. He run, he is the editor in charge of all the PC stuff over there. He left when Neil went a few months ago. And he really writes a, a clean, straight-up blog to talk about Windows 11 system requirements and how this change is not the end of the world. Um, people have really been reacting uh, quite extreme to this. And I think we just have to be patient. We're in the early days. I think Microsoft muddled the message. I think Microsoft muddied the waters as they talked about system requirements. And they've had to kind of um, 
adjust in this first week to 10 days of it since they were announced in order to kind of collect themselves, find a spot where they can settle in at and watch this. And they're going to watch telemetry to see how different chipsets and other things do. But listen to this. Windows 7 specs were the same specs used by Windows 10. So that we're talking about 12 years that the same specs have been used for Windows. So this would be the first update to specs since Windows 7 was released. So it, it's not unreasonable to bump those up a little bit, but I think they have to be the right bumps, okay? They want to do it to, for increased security. They want to do it for performance because the, if you want the cool visuals and you want the cool nifty stuff in the OS, you got to have a little more juice. That's why the CPU requirement at the base level has gone to at least a dual core um, processor and they're only 64-bit processors 32-bit processors will not be supported now what generation of processors will be supported is a whole nother ball of wax that's what they're evaluating and looking at so if you want to try insider builds you're going to be able to but just be aware that if you're on a device that might be older specs that potentially could be uh, laid aside you might have to go back to windows 10 on that device the other thing is, I, I, they, I don't know that they've finally settled in on how they're going to move this to beta channel, uh, which they say will happen this summer. But it's things to keep an eye on, okay? Most definitely things to keep an eye on. So I do have a link to the update on the Windows 11 minimum system requirements with that Microsoft wrote, so you can kind of understand where they're coming from. I already mentioned the uh, story that Rich Woods did this weekend about 11 system requirements. Um, upgrading, I've got Microsoft's main link to the new Windows OS. I've got the link to the new store that's being built and how that's going to all come together, the updates that are available for developers as that, as that goes. Basically, one of the things beyond Android apps in the Microsoft Store on Windows 11, it's going to accept any programs from developers, uh, Win32 programs, uh, any other kind of development platform for Windows are going to be accepted to go in there. So it really is a remake of the store. Uh, I mentioned the visual refresh of the Office apps. I've got a link to that story so you can check that out. I've got a link to the Windows Developer blog story about what Windows 11 means for developers, and then from there you can explore out of that. PWAs are becoming a big piece of the Microsoft Store. They have started to within Windows 10, but will become even bigger, and there's been a new update to PWA Builder that will help developers build those apps and get them packaged so they can go in the store. Uh, and I myself, this uh, over the last couple of days, began some initial postings about Windows 11. I'm going to do a blog series called Windows 11 Musings. Uh, the first one is kind of like, hey, here it is. This has been released. Here's where we stand. Uh, here's what I'm testing it on. I'm actually testing. I've got Windows 11 installed on six devices right now. I've got it installed on my main desktop, the one I'm recording on right now. I know, I know, I know. I've told people, don't put these kind of builds on your main machines. But you know what? I've got backups. I've got OneDrive syncing my files to the cloud. I was willing to give it a shot because I really want to dive fully into Windows 11. And it's a great experience from the UI. And you've got to learn some muscle memory changes, okay? There are changes in things. But I'm I'm really working to stick with the, the taskbar, with the icon-centered I've customized the start menu, and I've, I, I'm just trying this out the way it's built and the way it's intended to be tried out, and uh, have already submitted some feedback into the Feedback Hub. I've upvoted some feedback that has impacted me and suggestions and things like that. So you just got to dive in. So I've got it on my main desktop. I've got it on the HP Elite 1000, which is about a six-year-old system that by testing it before they pulled the uh, PC Health Check app, to update it was not compatible, but it is running the preview right now. I've got it on Surface Go, uh, first generation, the original one, uh, and it runs it. 
It is not the fastest piece of software on there, but it functions very well. I also have it installed on my mini PC, which is a BMAX uh, mini PC, which completely meets all the specs for running Windows 11. Again, these were tests I did before the PC Health app was pulled. Um, and so it runs it really well. That machine actually boots up faster than my main desktop. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But again, really good performance on there. Um, I've got it in a virtual machine. I do that for just keeping a clean copy. That's where I get my screenshots and things like that for, for my IT Pro Today build trackers because I've started a new Windows 11 build tracker. And then uh, Microsoft sent me a Surface Laptop 4 that was uh, released last fall. This is the 15-inch matte black Surface Laptop 4 with the AMD Ryzen Microsoft Surface uh, chip in it. And it, it's got 16 gig of RAM, a 512 gigabyte hard drive, and it's got a beautiful 15-inch uh, screen. And it's, just, it's a beautiful device overall. And it just looks awesome with dark mode turned on in Windows 11. But what Microsoft has sent me that to, to truly test Windows 11 on, the, on the, at least the most recent gear that they have available. So I'm really looking forward to poking around on that. So you've got it all, right? You've got... You've got all the links to the things about Windows 11 that you can catch up and do some reading if you haven't done that yet. If you have, you can review it. You can dive into the Feedback Hub if you're running Windows 11 and look at the feedback. There are a bunch of quests in there where they ask you to go into specific parts of the OS and try things out. Um, so dive in. Jump in. Uh, you know, I, I can choose for my own self to put this on my main desktop and take that risk because it is a, a preview system, but it is ex extremely stable for, in my opinion. Yes, I've had a couple Explorer crashes and other things, but so far so good. However, I also have Surface Book 3 that's sitting over here on my right side that is going to retain Windows 10 product uh, production release because if I fall into a hole and I've got to have a functioning device, I've got a functioning device that is set up on normality. So if I do run into a problem as I'm working on my main desktop, I can go and I can get I can get work done, okay? So I'm choosing that risk. If you choose it, you choose it. You have to evaluate your situation. You have to evaluate your circumstances. But whatever you do, have a backup. Have a plan. Make sure you're able to get back to where you need to be when you need to, okay? And that's where we'll leave that. And now we'll uh, jump into a little bit of space. I don't have a ton of stuff here um, because I knew I was going to talk for a while about where I've been, formation stuff, and now the Windows 11 stuff. Uh, but some real quick links on stuff that's happening in space, uh, just kind of the biggest headlines in my opinion. First off, SpaceX. Inspiration4 is the first all-civilian crew that will go to space on Dragon Crew on the Crew Dragon capsule, they are going to go, uh, they, I don't think they're going to International Space Station, so their, their mission is just going to be in Earth orbit. But four civilians going on there, so I've got a link to their homepage that talks about their mission. On Virgin Galactic, Richard Branson just announced that he and three others will join the Unity 22 crew on Virgin Galactic test flight coming up, I think, August or uh, July 11th or 12th. That will be about 10 days before Jeff Bezos who has stepped down as the CEO of Amazon, he's still on the board, who will go to uh, space on Blue Origin. Uh, and, and look, I'm not saying that they're going to orbit, okay? Because the, the reality is Virgin Galactic and their, their, their rocket, their ship, does not go to orbit. Bezos' Blue Origin does not go to orbit. What does go to orbit? Falcon 9 Crew Dragon, for instance. So the Inspiration4 crew are going to go into orbit and spend multiple days in orbit. Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson are going to ride their ships. They're going to go pretty much straight up. 
cross that that magical line whether you believe whether you believe it's 80 kilometers or 100 kilometers and what they call the Kármán line and enter quote unquote space uh, I don't I don't consider those astronauts I, I consider that something different I don't know what you call it we've had a discussion on social media about it and I think there it would be appropriate to have a different name for those individuals because it, it is just very different from what astronauts do in the scheme of how we understand astronauts but we'll see where that goes so but Jeff Bezos I, I gotta admit all right so him and his brother are filling two of the four seats the third seat went to a named person, we don't know who yet, that bid $28 million or $38 million for that seat. And then they just announced this week that uh, Jeff Bezos has invited um, Wally Funk. So Wally Funk is 82 years old. She is going to ride the Blue Origin capsule up to into space um, next month, about a week or 10 days after Richard Branson's planned flight on Virgin Galactic. Um, Wally Funk was one of like... Uh, 10 or 12 women who were trained potentially for the Mercury program. Uh, they never flew, but they trained and did a lot of the same training that the Mercury astronauts did. So uh, he, he has invited her to join that. It's kind of a cool story, right, that she finally, that she gets this opportunity to now. Uh, not unlike, um, you know, the first that Shepard did when he, it was a suborbital flight. I, I'm not even sure I can call Blue Origin or Virgin Galactic suborbital because that would indicate that they are going downrange and they reach space and they cross transverse space for a certain amount of time. Whereas these ships kind of go straight up, past those lines, have a little bit of waitness time, and then they re they start to re-enter. Um, so I, I, I'm still having a hard time grasping that. Okay, if you can't get the, the idea here that I'm really having a hard time grasping especially now that they're going to start carrying passengers. We, I think that it should be really be sorted out what those folks are labeled, what they're called, because I don't think it should be astronauts. Okay, that's me off my soapbox. Uh, Boeing, so United Launch Alliance is providing the Atlas V. Boeing is providing the Starliner capsule, and NASA is going to provide the launch facilities. And so they are preparing for their second orbital flight test that is expected to be at the end of this month. That's an uncrewed test. And that is to try to meet the requirements that they failed to meet when they went before and they didn't quite make it to proper orbit and couldn't make it to station. Well, this uncrewed test requires them to get to station, dock with station, etc. Uh, and then that will lead the way to a crewed Starliner flight later this year, uh, I think December timeframe. So they're still preparing and moving down that road. And, if, and then in NASA, NASA's been pretty busy because of a new administration. So we have a new NASA administrator, former astronaut and Senator, and Senator Bill Nelson is the new NASA administrator. He selected uh, Pam Melroy, who has been uh, sworn in as the deputy administrator. She was also an astronaut. And then NASA has named uh, new directors for the Johnson and Kennedy Space Centers. Both of them have been acting in that capacity uh, for a while, but now they are officially in those roles. Vanessa Weish has been named director of NASA's Johnson Space Center, and Janet, P uh, Janet Petro has been named director of NASA's Kennedy Space Center. Again, both of them have been doing the jobs in an acting capacity for a while, but now they are officially named into those spots. And then on Mars, hey, Perseverance. I, I think since we last recorded a podcast, Perseverance landed on Mars, right? Ingenuity has flown a few flights. The Ingenuity is the helicopter that is with Perseverance. So I do have a link here. Perseverance getting ready to do a little self-driving. Perseverance has some software that allows it to drive itself a little bit. 
Uh, I've got a link to a location map at NASA uh, on the NASA website where you can kind of see where Perseverance is and as well as where Ingenuity is. Ingenuity is the helicopter that Perseverance carried to Mars. And then I've got a link to the page about uh, Ingenuity, the Mars helicopter, which has done several flights and is getting ready to do, I think, its ninth flight tomorrow. Um, and this will be its longest, its fastest, its farthest. So it, it's really cool to see that. It's a technology test, but it's already moved beyond that into a point now where it's actually contributing to the science that Perseverance is doing on Mars. So lots of stuff happening in space. Tons of the space race, at least between billionaires, is on, and we'll see who gets there first uh, within the first few weeks. May they all be safe. No matter what, may they all be safe. Okay. Hey, episode 20, right? It was great to be back. I I was a little kind of a kerfuffle at the beginning and getting back in the swing of things. But as I started to work down the headlines, man, that's like an old set of socks coming on, a pair of gloves, a comfortable hat. It just You just kind of slide into it and it just kind of, wah, it comes. And you guys know me. I'm a fast talker. I get going into that tech stuff and I just go bing, 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 bing. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so as I get ready to close out here, I am going to be a guest on uh, Jim Collison's podcast. Let me pull up um, the name of this podcast. I, I can't remember uh, his, goodness me, what is uh, what is that called? Um, hang on a minute. I will, I can't remember the name of it, but it's this Thursday night. It's at nine o'clock Eastern time, and I'm going to talk Windows 11 with him, and we'll get caught up. Uh, I think is it Gadget Geeks or something like that. I think it's Gadget Geeks, Home Gadget Geeks, or something to that effect. Or maybe I'm confusing names. The bottom line is I'm going to be on with Jim Collison. We're going to talk some Windows 11 as well. So look, until next time, whenever that next time will be, again, I'm not going to commit to any schedule. Um, but when the, when the moment moves me in these, this day and age, I will come here and get behind the microphone. Um, and so until then, I, please everyone be blessed, be safe, uh, take care of each other, say a kind word to somebody at least once a day, right? Say something kind to somebody at least once a day. So until we meet again, until we see each other here on the podcast again, take care and stay safe.